Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. We are back at it. It is almost game week, just a few more days until it's one week out from game one of the college football season. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, we're getting close, man. Yeah, we are. We talked last week about how um, the, I, I've just not really been excited. I, I'm starting to feel it a little bit more. It's still, it still feels weird. It's not normal at all. Um, but you can kind of see it on the horizon. There was that Central Arkansas game last week. I don't know if you saw that, but um, the, there, there, there is some normalcy there. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, it's it's odd that OSU has one game and then like a two week break and then another game. I don't know. The whole thing is just going to be it's going to be interesting. But hey, some to cover. I'm excited. I'm fired up, man. I did watch the uh, Austin P Central Arkansas game. They scored a touchdown the first play from scrimmage. That was a perfect way to uh, to kick off the season. Yeah, it was. It was. Did you, it was. Did you see Austin P's logo real quick? Did you see that? It's like the. It, it looks like the Mad Hatter type thing. It looked like an evil Monopoly guy. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. That's so good. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I did see it. Um, I love I, I love logo stuff. I love uniform stuff. I, I think that stuff is just as interesting as the games half the time. Yep, I, I love it. And uh, we have the first five to get to, but first we need to hear from Chris's. Yeah, Chris is uh, still selling masks. Go get your mask. Don't uh, don't go out in public without it. Uh, let's have a season. Let's keep the spread of COVID nineteen to a minimum to or keep it to zero. It would be awesome. But yeah, Chris is selling some uh, some really cool Oklahoma State masks. Uh, Cursive Cowboys. They got all kinds of stuff there. So uh, check them out online uh, at chrisuniversityspirit.com or if you are uh, in Stillwater, you can check them out there as well. So. Uh, thanks to Chris for sponsoring the pod, and let's get to the first five, Carson. Yeah, lots of uh, quality PFB content to get to. If you're not uh, checking out the website, you really need to. You guys have been cranking out the content. And, but uh, let's start with your piece. Number one, a few teams better than Oklahoma State over the last 10 years. You and I talk a lot about this, Kyle. You know, we, we get on Gundy's recruiting. We get on just the, the overall ceiling of the football program a lot. We think it could be higher. But, man, when you look at the names – Oklahoma State is with and above. I mean, it's it's certainly startling just their national record over the last over the last decade. Oklahoma State's forty five and twenty over the past five years, and they're they're up there with some some huge names. And then over the last ten as well. Just uh, kind of give us an overview of what you discovered with their their record of the last five to ten years. Yeah. So if you go and and this makes sense right if you go last 5 years and you're flirting with 50 50 wins obviously that's 10 a year and now it, it gets it's gotten a little just barely skewed by the fact that there are more games now than there were you know 12 years ago remember when Oklahoma State when Mike Gundy first took over they they would play like 11 games in a regular season and then if you didn't make a bowl game that was that was it you just played 11 games and it was over and you've got teams like Clemson playing 15 games 
right? So it, there's, it's a little, it's not totally apples to apples, but look, if you've won 50 games over the last five years, you're, you're doing something right. If you've won a hundred games over the last 10 years, you're doing something right as well. And Oklahoma State's flirting with both of those lists. They're 45. Uh, they have 45 wins in the last five years. They have, I think it was 93 in the last 10. And there's not a lot of teams that if you look at short-term success, so the five-year success, and then longer-term success, the 10-year success, the only teams that are ahead of them on both those lists, Carson, I mean, you can probably guess them, but Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Wisconsin, Georgia, and OU. That's it. Those are the only teams that are ahead of them on both the five-year and 10-year uh, winning percentage. And so, yeah, I just think it, it, it speaks to – look, you can be a Kansas State and kind of pop up every once in a while and play for a Big 12 title, but can you be consistent over a 10-year period? That's what Mike Gundy has been so good at. Yeah, and it, it's really defying the odds with recruiting. I mean, you just look at the, the recruiting rankings that they're yeah. up against with, you know, the likes of Clemson, Florida, even uh, LSU, Oregon. I mean, they're they're well behind them in terms of recruiting. But And that, it's even more impressive to me, Kyle, that they're up there over the last five years with the last two years they've had with the the changeover at quarterback with Cornelius and then Sanders and, you know, they, they – they haven't been nearly as good, you know, they've been winning 10 games consistently and in the last two years, not so much. So to me, that's even more impressive. Uh, how about Clemson's record of the last five years of 69 and five? It's, it's a joke. I mean, you look at, so fourth on that five-year list is OU at 58 and 10. 58 and 10 over five years is sick. It's so good. And they're in fourth. Ohio State 61 and seven, Alabama 66 and six. And then Clemson 69-5. and <laughs> I mean, Clemson wins, what, what is that, 14 games a year? What, what, what is that? That's a joke. Well, they're, they're obviously, you know, they're, they're right there with Bama now with what Dabo Swinney's done winning-wise and recruiting-wise. But I do think they also benefit from, you know, playing in the ACC. They have literally zero competition in that league. You know, Florida State's down. Miami's been down for a decade. I mean, who's really who's really challenging them in that conference? They basically get to cakewalk to the conference title game and then just don't screw it up. I mean, the closest call they've had was with like a Larry Fedora North Carolina team. That that says it all to me in terms was, of lack of competition. Was that Fedora or was it Mike Brown? That was Fedora. I was thinking it was Mike Brown for some reason. Mike Brown's um, only been there a year. Was it not? Was that two years ago? It was like three or four years ago, I think. That you know, remember North Carolina had an onside kick, controversial call that they probably should have gotten their way. Uh, and you're then, talking. You're talking about. Sorry, you're talking about in the conference title game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they did have a close call with with Mac Brown last year. That's right. What you're yeah. Referencing. So we were so we were both right there. Um. Yeah. No, no. It's a good point, and I think a little bit of the same could be said for. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard because right. You could say this. When Ohio State gets a, a favorable Big Ten schedule, you could say it. When o, you know, OU, you could argue it. I don't know that you and I would, but you could. Um, the Bama 66 and 6. I mean, their 10 year deal is 100. So over the last 10 years, Alabama is 124 and 15. They've lost 15 games in 10 years. <laughs> 15. Uh, I mean, think about how good. In that uh, conference. Yeah, think about how good OU has been over the last 10 years. Five conference – or I think six conference titles. They've been great. 
They've lost 25 games in the last 10 years. Alabama's lost 15. <laughs> it's silly. It what, is silly. What Saban's done. But, I mean, to that point, Oklahoma State, 93-37 and 37 over the last 10 years. That's right behind uh, your Knowles. Uh, go go FSU and then uh, right ahead of Notre Dame so if you I mean just <laughs> talk about being in good company with great programs that's where OSU is and it's um, again I don't I think I think Gundy sometimes gets um, not enough credit for the long-term work that he's done because nobody else does it there's a reason there's only six or seven team school uh, programs that are ahead of them on on both the five-year and 10-year list. Yeah, and this is the argument for Gundy against, you know, let's bring in a, a young up-and-coming recruiter. Well, a stadium doesn't get you wins. You know, the, the, the overall program doesn't get you wins. You don't just plug and play a head coach in there and expect to have the same levels of success or even more so. Just look at a program like Tennessee. They've got 100,000 people coming to their games every every weekend, well, pre-COVID. And they've been terrible. They, they, they've struggled to go to bowl games. So I think that's that's a huge feather in Mike Fundy's cap, and that's why he, I think he can stay the head coach as, as long as he wants. Obviously, he did get into some, get into some hot water this offseason. But as much as we talk about recruiting rankings and everything else, Mike Gunny's done an unbelievable job and and really probably deserves to be the coach as, as, long, as, as long as he wants. But uh, – Let's move on to number two, Kyle. Uh, OSU defense, they're talking a big game this offseason. And, look, we we both love what they have coming back. We, we love just the job Jim Knowles did the latter half of the season. But you got Trey Sterling talking about not just playing well, but but pitching shutouts. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about Trace Ford as well. We're excited about that side of the ball. But sounds like Trey Sterling's even more excited than we are. Shutout in the Big 12. I mean, when when's the last time they when, when's the last time Oklahoma State uh, we could find this? I just don't have it in front of me. Uh, shut out a conference team. It had. I mean, have they done it under Gundy? Oh, I I doubt they have. I mean, I don't did, think so. Have they shut out Kansas? I mean, you you get into like, oh well, Kansas scored a field goal with three minutes left playing against walk-ons. You know, it, it's it's just it's really difficult to do, but. I love this because, and I wrote about this earlier in the week. The the way so, so the path for Oklahoma State forward is goes through OU, right? OU's won five conference titles in a row. How how do you how do you maneuver around that? Are you going to out uh, offense them? Are you going to out uh, score them? Are you going to be better than them on offense? No, you're not. Like, OU is just – even in a year, I think it was in uh, 17 or 16, when OSU scored – like, they scored the same number of points per game as OU did. I mean, they were, they were just right there with them. And that was the it – was, it was 17 because it was the shootout year in, in Stillwater when they lost 62 to 52. So, you have the best offense in the world. You're not going to outscore OU. How do you do it? You, you beat Iowa State, who's beaten them. You beat Texas, who's beaten them. You beat Kansas State, who beat them last year. And these are really solid defensive teams. I just, I, to me, that's how you kind of build this this team, this program to kind of upend what OU has done. You don't try to out OU them because you're not going to do it. You come from the other direction and uh, and build up a defense that can that can potentially take them down. Yeah, and I I, I don't think you necessarily look at it as as point totals in modern day Big Twelve. I think you and I have talked a lot about 
points per drive. And I think, yeah. I think coaching staffs are getting smarter. I think, I think OSU may have even referenced this at some point, just their, their points per drive and, and points in, in yards per play. Those two metrics, I think, is what Oklahoma State needs to focus on. Obviously, the takeaways were great. I mean, Col- uh, Harvell Peel, Colby Harvell Peel was exceptional at taking the ball away last year. Uh, so I think that's – you more limit their, their yards per play and, and points per drive, and then, then you're really in business, especially facing a team like Oklahoma. If you can, if you can cut down their absurd yards per play numbers, you, you'll be in business. I have in front of me, Kyle, the last time Oklahoma State shut down opponent. You want to know when that is? Was it a was it a, a anybody or or, or Big Twelve? Uh, anybody. Was it the OU game? And I have Big Twelve as well. Twelve twelve nothing. Twelve nothing was the last conference opponent. Okay. That's the last Power Five opponent actually, and it actually came in conference against Oklahoma in 1995. Twelve nothing. The last uh, at like just overall. Mm-hmm. Savannah. Savannah State, good guess, 2012, 84 to nothing. <laughs> that game was that game was kind of embarrassing. 84 to nothing. They scored 84 points. What's more embarrassing, that game or the 1945 national championship uh, banner? Uh, probably the banner. <laughs> you hate. Oh, she was just handing the ball off. I you mean. hate the banner. Uh, I think more embarrassing was the last time OSU was shut out was 2009 Bedlam. In Norman, oh, that, that game. I remember Googling that game. What's the record for punts in a college football game? <laughs> because it felt like uh, it felt like they were they were gonna. Was Matt Fodge the kicker then? Yeah, I think his I think his leg may have cramped up from all the punts. <laughs> so uh, no, you're you're right about the points per possession thing, and I think that you know I'm gonna write about. The, I was planning on writing about that either to either Thursday or Friday, I don't think Oklahoma State's points per possession on defense, it, it, it was certainly better than uh, 2018, but it wasn't as good as you might think if you kind of dig into it a little bit. And some of that, remember, Carson, had to do with the Big 12 kind of slowed down last year. We saw some more kind of like slugfest. It wasn't as high, high flying and high powered. So even though you saw uh, fewer points scored, your points per possession, it didn't – it didn't reflect how many fewer points scored were, or, or how many uh, points, how many fewer points were scored in the conference overall, because you just had these kind of more sluggish, slower games than you usually get in in the conference. Yeah, and I think teams didn't have as good a quarterback play, so there was yeah. a necessity to slow things down and, and get in the right positions. I mean, the quarterback play I thought was way down last year. Yeah. in the Big Twelve. So, so you're right about that. I, and plus, I do think OSU's defense wasn't good to start the year, and they, they played much better yep. the last five six games. That's which right. Kind of kind of leads us to our next topic. I mean, Kyle Boone wrote a really good piece about uh, five reasons Oklahoma State can can win the Big Twelve this year. And number one's the defense can be great, and he he talks a lot about you know obviously Trace Ford, who's in my opinion the best. NFL prospect on defense since Emmanuel Agba that they've had. Yeah. Uh, they returned 10 of 11 starters. Uh, Calvin Bundage, we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast yet. He's coming back from injury. They've been talking him up as far as a, an edge rusher. And uh, Colby Harvell Peel, he's an All-American candidate. There's, there's a lot to like on this defense, Kyle. Yeah, there really is. And, yeah, the, the, the five reasons, I mean, it, it's – yeah. I mean f- – and you know the thing is like so you lose 10 or you lose uh you return 10 of 11 starters 
you also, you get, I mean, you said you get bondage back. So that's like, you, you're, you're almost not losing any starters, really. I know bondage doesn't play the same position uh, as AJ Green, but you're also kind of backfilling uh, Green uh, with the, uh, what's his name from Missouri? The cornerback transfer? Yeah, I forget his name too. Um, with I mean, he's he's a good player. It's not like it's not like you're replacing him with somebody who was a freshman last year, and you're like, I don't know how that's gonna go. You're replacing him with a power five guy who has played really good college football in his career. So uh, the defense, Christian Holmes. There Christian you go. Holmes. I couldn't I, think of it. I think he's number zero, which is pretty sweet. Is that right? Uh, I knew we talked last show about the the number zero. I think it's I know he was wearing it too. I think it's him. Yeah, you're he, right. He is. Yeah, I think he's wearing it on defense. Um, LD Brown as well. Yeah, LD Brown and Christian Holmes, both zero. I love that. That's really cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that – I mean, it's certainly in play for, for Oklahoma State to win the Big 12. I feel like we say that most years, and it sometimes doesn't go well. I think the OU thing is really interesting uh, with, um, with Spencer Rattler. I mean – Seems like he's going to be good. Probably will be good. All quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley are pretty good. <laughs> but who knows? You know, you don't – I mean, that's Gundy's big deal, right? You flip on the lights, you don't know until uh, until, until you do that. And that's – I mean, Boone wrote it, but that's sort of the elephant in the room is is can you, uh, can you take down OU? Yeah, he, he also mentioned Chuba Hubbard, obviously, that goes without saying, Heisman candidate. But, yeah, number three on his list was OU is replacing a lot. And that's, you know, you, you, you obviously pick OU to win it just because they're Oklahoma and they've won it five years in a row. But they really are, man. If you if you go over their roster, obviously the changeover quarterback, which, look, every quarterback Lincoln Riley's had as a starting quarterback has been in top four in Heisman voting. And they've had two wins. <laughs> so, obviously, you expect them to be good there. But they are replacing CeeDee Lamb, Kenneth Murray, the two leaders on the offense and defense. Uh, they're, they're starting running back Kennedy Brooks opted out. There's a lot of unknown, way more so than we're ever used to seeing with Oklahoma. So, that does kind of lead to why Boone uh, puts that as one of his topics for why they can win. And he also mentions the deep wide receiving core. Obviously, Tylen Wallace is back. But you got Dylan Stoner, Braden Johnson. D. Anderson transferred from LSU. Uh, the, the, the transfer they just got from Washington State, Tay Martin. I mean, there's there's a lot of options there. And then more interesting to me, Kyle, is the the lack of road environments. Yeah. You don't have to worry about, you know, some younger players playing on the road, obviously. You know, Kansas never has fans. A lot of people want to have fans due to COVID. That's a that's a unique factor into, into the season, too. Do you think that not having fans helps or hurts Oklahoma State? Like, you think about – you think about their home games and the environment that they have there. Then you think about where they're going to Kansas, Baylor, K-State, OU, and TCU. Do, would, would, if you had to choose, and obviously you don't, nobody does, uh, would, you, would you pick no fans or, or all, all fans for OSU? I mean, you're, you're used to thinking Oklahoma State has this, this great home field advantage, right? Obviously the, the fans are super close, but just look at how many big home games they've lost over the last – four or five years yeah lost a lot of big home games I mean it didn't help them in Bedlam when Baker was there which obviously that game could have gone in either way they lose three home games that big 2017 year which is shaping up a lot like this year so while I would I'm tempted to say that you need fans for the home field I they've lost too many home games for me lately for me to really give it that much weight 
Yeah, it's a good point. That, that's a really good point. Um, but, I mean, I would say I prefer fans, but if I had to pick. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. Okay, uh, what do we got next? Five breakout uh, players. Kyle Boone just churning out the content. Yeah. Uh, five breakout players, and, and this is where I want to start, too, with his number one. I mean, whew, Brennan Presley <laughs> from Bixby was – I want to say he was like Sterling Shepard good in high school. Like I remember when Sterling Shepard was a Heritage Hall, I was like, this guy's unbelievable. And a smaller receiver, you, you wonder how he'll translate to the next level. Obviously, Sterling Shepard translated very well. He's still playing in the NFL. But Brennan Presley, Kyle, uh, him and his twin brother, who's still in high school, were, were exceptional. And he's getting rave reviews in camp. Yes, he is. That's been one of the – you know, it, it's hard this year because there's not really – it's just weird. Like we always, I feel like we always talk about, Oh, what stories are coming out of camp. And it's like, there's not, there's like nothing really coming out. I mean, you got the zooms with Kendi and he doesn't really say anything. And there's just, there's not as much buzz around different things as usual. But he, if you, I think if you had to pick one thing that's been the buzziest, it's been him, right? Like he's been the guy that people have kind of been talking about and discussing and it, it's, it's going to be intriguing. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a Justice Hill, his freshman year type situation. I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't, he's not going to, I don't think, be starting or playing a ton, but I love the comp here from Boone. He said, uh, Jalen McCluskey, Jalen McCluskey, but slightly better vibes. Mm-hmm. And Jalen McCluskey's pretty, pretty good career, you know, in his time at OSU. So um, that's going to be, and, you know, talking about that in, in the return game, what's one thing we've been critical about over the last, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years, the return game, right? Punt returns, kick returns. There's just no advantage at all for Oklahoma State. So maybe he maybe he turns that around. Maybe he changes that in a way that guys like Dylan Stoner haven't been able to. Isn't their last return touchdown that, that infamous Josh Stewart return where all the TCU guys were laying down on the ground at the end of it? Isn't that their last return for a touchdown? I think that's right. Uh that's the last punt return. The last kick return was Tyreek in 2014 at Kansas. God. Six when, years ago? When they almost lost. Yeah. Oof. I think I think that was the last kick return. Yeah, their their special team return game's been they've really re- reverted back to just the fair catch and don't screw it up. Uh, <laughs> the, the, just, the Justin Blackman special. Yeah. Which so. which on those teams made sense, right? You're like, well, whatever. We'll just you know, Justin Byman will fair catch it and then we'll throw it to him and he'll score anyway. But on, on teams of late, you know, Oklahoma State's the type of team that you're playing better teams. You need every advantage you can get. You're playing OU, you're playing Texas, you're playing, you know, whoever, and they just haven't had it there. So that'd be cool if he could provide that. I guess Tyreek also had a punt return in Bedlam. That, that is pretty famous. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that right. was probably the last punt return touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 2014 year providing all of our uh, special teams TDs, which which I've noticed they haven't. They used to just scrub that from the archives because the way Ty, Tyreek Hill's career ended, but they've kind of brought that back via social media. So. Yeah, they have. That's been inter- That's yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, a guy that I was kind of looking forward to seeing last year who didn't play was Desmond Jackson. Yeah, he's number two on on Boone's list. We haven't seen much of him, but. You know, L.D. Brown is is right there behind Chuba Hubbard. But I think Desmond Jackson brings a different dimension, especially on the goal line. Although, I mean, you're really taking it out of Chuba's hands on the goal line? Probably not. <laughs> but but Desmond Jackson is intriguing, you know, in case, you know, something were to happen to, to Chuba. 
Well, it, I think what's interesting about a lot of these guys, and we haven't talked about this yet, but or maybe we did last week, the, the extra year of eligibility. I mean, th- this is – it's a free year, right? So you're, so you're going to see – and I don't know that you handle it any differently in terms of depth chart and um, development and all that stuff, but to be able to see these guys again next year, I mean, I, I, did we talk about how Dylan Stenner is going to be in college like 38 years? We did. He's going to be like a, he's going to be a father of like four with a mortgage. I mean, he's going to be like Whedon, but, but having been in college the whole time. <laughs> he's going to have a portfolio. By the time I mean, that's, it's insane. Uh, OKC Dave did his, did his survey uh, and on the results. So Calvin Bundage has been voted uh, one of the top three breakout players on defense for each of the last five years. <laughs> and I was texting with him. He's like, I guess, I mean, he, it might be six next year. He might be back again as a breakout player. On <laughs> That's true. He's, so, he's had a, when you, when you sit out a year, I guess you can, you can be like the Steve Stricker winning comeback player of the year twice. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, Langston Anderson. Haven't seen him play at all. He wears 88. Uh, looking forward to hearing more about him. I guess he makes Boone's list as well, but I think there's just so many guys in that receiver room, Kyle, you could, you could just throw a dart and and probably have a good pick for breakout player in the receivers. There's some there's a lot of targets to be had this year, and we haven't really seen a lot of those guys behind behind Tywin and, and Dylan. Did uh, did Tylen wear 88 his freshman year, or was it 80? 80. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm excited about Langston. I feel like Langston Anderson gets gets not. I mean, he gets forgotten about, right? He he was. I don't know that he was quite as big of a recruit as CJ Moore. Uh, he was the uh, two years after the year after, uh, but he was up there. I mean, he was, he was big time recruit and obviously a red shirted last year. So I don't know. Uh, uh, you're right about the receiver room though, behind Tylen. Um, I mean, obviously you've got, you've got Braden, you've got stoner, but you've got all these guys that, uh, like D Anderson and Langston Anderson and the kid from Washington state, whose name I can never remember there, there, there's all, there's a ton of like, okay, how, how good can this guy be? Uh, is it going to be like a tyrant situation or is it like just, you know, I, it, who knows? And, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the course of a, of a 10-game season. Hey, Martin from Washington State. Hey, there, uh, we, there we go. We haven't even mentioned Landon Wolf, who's a redshirt senior. He's going to play a bunch. Uh, the guy I liked a lot out of high school who we haven't seen at all is Jonathan Shepard. I think him, yeah. and, him and Langston Anderson – we're kind of similar players coming out of high school. So how much do you, how, how much do you miss Tyron by the way? Every day. <laughs> Is he in camp still? He was like on practice squads. I, I lost track of him. I think he was with the Texans last time. I We talk about it all the time, but that OU game, I mean, <laughs> when he like fulfilled all of the prophecies that I've been spouting out all year. Yeah. And it was like, Oh, Okay, yeah, this is this is for real. And and party is like, well, where is this the other ten games? And you don't know if it's him or if it's a, you know who, who knows what it is. But it felt very much like a uh, Tyreek in the NFL situation, mm-hmm. right? Where where he gets the NFL and you're like, oh, well, wait a second, like what what were we doing? Playing running back at what OSU? Were, what were we doing for the last two? <laughs> years? Running back. <laughs> Running off tackle? 
yeah so anyway not to go down a, a tyrant rabbit hole but no no let's do i mean <laughs> right he hurdled a guy standing straight up the guy was standing upright and he hurdled him then he you- mossed a dude and threw up the x it was like i was just i, I was on like a ventilator up in the press box <laughs> uh did you look up if he's in camp yeah he's with the chargers he's already been with Texans, Bills, Texans again, Chargers, Panthers. So he's with the Chargers currently. So he's kind of right. bounced around and he's been on practice squads. Hasn't uh, really been on the, a full full roster, doesn't it's, seem. It's so tough to, to break in and to – it's just – yeah, it's hard. Yeah, but, I mean, everyone needs receivers and, God, you can make, you can make good money on those practice squads even. So hopefully yeah. he sticks around. Yeah. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, hoops start date. Uh, a lot of a lot of question marks surrounding the college basketball season, uh, but they're pushing it back supposedly to November 25th, right around Thanksgiving. Uh, so it's not set in stone, Kyle, but there seems to be a lot of things in flux for uh, OSU, and we, we still haven't even heard about their appeal with the NCAA. We have no idea if they're even going to be able to play in the NCAA tournament still, but they do have a schedule. Uh, Oral Roberts. Uh, at Marquette, that's an interesting non-conference game. Home against Oakland, at Wichita State, great marquee non-conference game. Virginia Tech as well, and then uh, UCO in, in late December. So a little bit of, of scheduling is is out for uh, Kate Cunningham and company. Every time I, I it, it, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind thing with with basketball. Um, but every time I remember that they have Cade this year, I just start just giggling and just I'm just giddy about. Um, I, I just hope they get to play, you know, and I, I think this date is interesting because I think it really speaks to the difference between the way basketball and football are adjudicated. Basketball is so NCAA centric, whereas football, it's like every conference is just doing whatever they want because it, the, the NCAA just has so little power over football. So I, I don't, you know, when we talk about the NCAA, we usually are talking about them negatively with, with good reason but I do think it is in a time like this beneficial that they're sort of over the basketball stuff in a more uniform way than we've seen with college football so far true very true I'm I'm still so far from from basketball season but it it is looming with with Cade Cunningham and and all that I mean when do we expect to hear anything about NCAA ruling what if they just don't make a ruling I mean I guess you're just you're considering yourself eligible for the tournament at that point. I don't know. It's, it's all gray area right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't gotten a ton of clarification either. I, I, it, I think that it got bumped back because of the pandemic. And, and this is sort of what we talked about off the, at the very beginning of when this happened with Cade of like, Hey, with so much unknown, Cade might still end up at OSU. Right. Which is, which is what ended up happening. And I think you're seeing the uh, quote-unquote benefit of getting these sanctions amid a pandemic because it just becomes the scheduling becomes difficult. And what you need if you're Oklahoma State is for this to is for this to get pushed out as as far as possible. Yeah, it's that's what I would do. I would keep pushing and uh, placate and go to the big dance. I, what what's the uh, when does the NBA start this year? Uh, they were pushing for a December start date, but I think even that's going to get pushed back. Uh, I think they're trying to squeeze in, you know, everything before December. But I think I think they're looking at 
late December to early January for NBA. Is that going to become a new norm, you think? I think it should. You know, they could just dominate the summertime. I mean, how, how big would their ratings be with the only sport going on all summer? I mean, that, that would be huge. I mean, with all apologies to golf, I'll be watching golf too. But uh, <laughs> in terms of the, the major sport, sports, uh, between football and, and basketball and everything, I think – I think they always should have. I mean, it never really made much sense for me for them to compete with the NFL and college football to a lesser extent in the fall. You know, they used to, they start in like October. That's just that's just well, silly. that's 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 how I feel about college basketball. I'm like, what? Why, why don't they do? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you could do like a Christmas, um, like a holiday tournament, you know, set, and then move on to to January or, or just started in January, but you, you get into this weird, like, Oh, there's 28 awesome college football games this weekend. Oh, Oklahoma state's playing Wisconsin green Bay. Like what, what do I do with that? You know, it's just, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, they have an attendance and a ratings problem. That's one fix. Don't play a midweek non-conference game in, in November. Yeah. Like, I mean, who, who cares? Like move all that back when there's no football to be watched. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, let's end with this. The uh, the kickoff time has been announced for OSU's opener against Tulsa at 6.30, either on ESPN or ESPNU. September 12th, Kyle, uh, I'm, I'm fired up. It's prime time. You like uh, Boone Pickens under the lights? going to look a little different this year with uh, 25% capacity and uh, social distance seating. But uh, I'm fired up for a night game to start things off. No no 11 a.m. kick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It, now, it'll be fun. It's weird. So we're taping this on Thursday. Today was – supposed to be the the first game right the Oregon State game I think you're right wow yeah September September 3rd and we're sitting here talking about a game that's 10 days away that feels like it's 10 months away uh, which is (laughs) which is not reality because it's going it's presumably going to be played uh next Saturday so yeah look like I think you get that first kickoff uh Chuba gets his seven carries in and That'll be fun. That'll be fun to have something other than viruses and transfers and all this other stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, OSU's a, a three-touchdown favorite. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uniform predictions. Mm. We're, uh, we're, we're nearing time for our uni predictions. It's been a we long are. time. It, that gets me fired up for football. Can't yeah, wait. it has been. Um, w- real quick, let's hear w- one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then I want to end by asking you a question about kind of the overall season. So let's hear from Chris's. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, last thing. So this kind of relates to the Tulsa game, but also to the rest of the season as well. What to you just based on what you know about OSU, what you know about how the season is going to play out, what is a successful season for Oklahoma State in 2020? Appearance in the Big 12 title game, flat out. I mean, I I think anything short of that's a failure this year. And look, I know they're dealing with just an inordinate amount of challenges this season with with COVID and 
you know, uh, transfers on the offensive line. I understand all that. But this team has the talent to not only make it to the Big 12 title game, but to win it, especially when you look at what Oklahoma has to replace. So I think anything short of a Big 12 championship game appearance is, is, a, is a bust of a season. And look, if you get there and you don't win, that's, that's the breaks. That, that's, a, that's still a good season in my mind. Yeah, I think that's right. I agree. I think so. My definition is winning seven conference games, which would probably get you there. You know, two of the three years that there's been a Big 12 title game, um, well, two of the last three years, uh, if you win seven games, you're in. Texas got in, uh, TCU got in, Baylor actually went eight and one last year. Their only loss was to OU, so they got in against OU. But I think if you go seven and two this year, you're probably in, depending on who you beat. And I'm with you. Like if, if, if Oklahoma state, I think we think about this so much as it relates to the college football playoff. And it's like, Hey, just, just think about the big 12. Like you should be playing, you should, your, your goal. And I think this is their goal internally play for big 12 titles. And it, you're right. If you lose them, whatever, man, like you lost to OU, they've won 115 games in the last 10 years. Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But are you playing for Big 12 titles? How many are you playing for? And Oklahoma State hasn't done that, Carson, since uh, 2016 when they got uh, beat in Norman. Um, and that was a de facto Big 12 title, right? They haven't played in the, the actual Big 12 title game uh, ever, have they? They never played in it when it was north and south. And they haven't played in it since, uh, since it returned three years ago. So that would be – I agree. I think that would be a successful year. I agree. And for me, I'm looking at the schedule the, the the absolute most important two games of the season for me are October 24th at home against Iowa State and at October 31st at home against Texas. Yeah, you, you win both of those games, you are in business to get to, to Jerry World. If you win one of those games, I think you're, you still have a chance to get there. But to me, that's that to me is the most important stretch of the entire season. You go at Baylor, I think that's a winnable game considering they lost their coach and, and some key players on, on offense and defense. Uh, but for me, Iowa State's got a lot of returning talent, too. I know you're always down on Iowa State. When, when Was it win 10 games, win nine games? Win nine or, games. Win nine games. It's hard to do this year. But for <laughs> me, those, those two games, to me, are paramount. Yeah, I would throw TCU in there as well at the very end. Yep. Um, depending on TCU or Kansas State, depending on which of them kind of pops up this year. So, okay, good stuff, Carson. We will be back next week with a game preview, and yeah, it's starting to get it's starting to get a little fun. I, I'm not as I'm not as in you know I'm not as frustrated as I have been over the last six months. So, uh, enjoy it, and we will talk to you soon. Back at it. <laughs>